Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer K. Hill, the host of this show and also the CEO of OptiMatch, OM.app. It is a pleasure to have you here for another episode as we talk to a new dear friend of mine, Veronica Villanueva, about her incredible book and the journey that she took of being diagnosed not once, but twice with life-threatening cancers and how she transformed that into a way that brought so much light, so much consciousness to her life and the lives of all of those around us. So before we dive in, I do want to give you a few highlights from her bio that I'll go ahead and read to you now. So Veronica is the founder of Sisu and your badass belief coach. Despite being given a dire prognosis of less than six months to live with tumors in her brain, liver, and chest. Veronica is a two-time cancer warrior and has beaten the odds not once, but twice. Her mission is to inspire others to live happy, healthy lifestyle using a hashtag healthy lifestyle as medicine and to give hope to those who have been affected by cancer. Through her Amazon bestselling book, which we will talk about today, The Grace of Cancer, Veronica shares her story of how she discovered her sisu and her stoic determination, as well as tenacity of purpose, grit, bravery, resilience, and hardiness during her battle with cancer. Veronica, I am so happy that our mutual friend Eduardo introduced us and that we have the opportunity to live in the same city now. We're both from LA and now we both live in Lisbon, Portugal. It's such a pleasure to have you here with us today. Yes, no, it's it's really I'm blessed and and with so much gratitude for this day. Thank you, Jennifer. I love it. It was fabulous. I was reading your book, and it's so funny. One of my favorite movies I've seen in the last probably three years was called, what was it, Raya's Last Dragon. Did you see that movie? You'll never believe this. So as I started reading your book, you have this definition of Sisu, and the dragon that saves the world's name is Sisu. <laughs> I never put two and two together. Wow. Isn't that, just, I just love synchronicities like that. So maybe share with us, what does the word Sisu mean to you? And why is it important? And why has it become the backbone of what you are and who you are? To me, Sisu is exactly what I needed to live the life that I'm living right now without the grit, without the resilience, without that extra, extra push. I don't believe I can be here. I think it's when we're right about that moment when we're about to give up is when we need to persevere, is when we need to gather all our strength and really pull ourselves out of whatever situation we're in. And in my case, it was the diagnosis that I received not once, but twice. And share with me a little bit about this. We were talking offline before we went on air, and I was talking about how I just listened to a podcast today, right before the interview, and they were sharing the same almost first lines in your book about this idea of how when we store sadness, when we store resentment or bitterness or anger in our bodies, that in some ways can manifest into the illness that we call cancer or a myriad of other diseases. And you touch on that in the book as well. Can you share a little bit about that? 
I think it's really important. What I did was I had to reframe everything that was going on in, in what basically had to reframe my reality, right? And how you interpret reality really positively or negatively, it makes a huge difference on the quality of not only your life, but on the health of your body. Because we all know this, mindset is really translated all the way down to the cellular level in our body, makes the chemistry of our body. So for me, it was so important to remain positive to, to my sisu, find my sisu, and not feel like I'm being punished for this by receiving this disease. So I had to turn it around and make it a gift. I had to turn around and make it an experience that I can draw lessons and grow from. And when you do that, I really believe your body listens to everything that you are absorbing, you're thinking. You're... So then I started being very intentional about everything. I thought, okay, I didn't love myself enough. I, I betrayed myself. So I can reverse that by doing the opposite. I can start honoring myself. I can start taking care of myself. I can start loving myself. And my body listened. My body listened. And I felt it. And so from that point on, everything I did, like I said, was intentional. So when I ate, I would tell myself what the food's doing to my body. Healing really starts when you start believing. And I, I, I really believe that. I love and agree wholeheartedly. A friend of mine, Bruce Lipton, of course, wrote the book, The Biology of Belief. And when you realize that everything is belief, like I wouldn't have even believed it, Veronica. Like I had read this for years. I'd been a follower of Bruce and so many other proponents of this idea that our beliefs are our system. And about six months ago, I used to get sick all the time, knock on wood, like every single month, all the time I was coming down with some ailment or another. And then all of a sudden, one day, I just started reprogramming my belief and saying, I am healthy, whole, and complete. I am healthy, whole, and complete. And I would tell myself that over and over using a super learning method called Psyche and knock on wood for the first time in my perhaps whole adult life. I now might go three or four months without having any sort of ailment that harms me. Oh, yes. That became my mantra. I started telling my body what it felt every day. Um, and I started really reframing everything that happened to me. And I really believe that it's one of the secrets. If not, that's one of the skills that everyone must learn in order to navigate life is reframing your reality. And I'm not saying denial here, okay? It's very different from denying what's happening to your reality, to you or your reality. I'm just saying that you have to, like, it's really strange because I had somebody recently told, tell me, you think that's really good for you, that you're so positive, that you can't be vulnerable during this moment in time? And I really thought about that. It really stayed with me for a few days. And then I realized it's not because I don't want to be vulnerable. <laughs> I've been there. It's actually because I know how that feels. And that's why it's so crucial for me to remain positive and for me to find my sisu again. And I, so 
No, it's not about not being vulnerable. It's about being positive and believing because I've done this not once, but twice. It's my default state. I thought it was beautiful in the podcast for anybody who wants to go back and listen to it. It's called The Weekly Energy Boost. You may have heard me mention it before on the show. It's the only podcast I personally listen to every week. And in this week's episode, as I mentioned, they were referencing this idea of sadness and how we store it in our body. And something, V, that I heard that I thought was pretty powerful, and I actually did as soon as I heard the exercise, is they said, we hold emotions in our body as we're talking about, right? Sadness, anger, regret, remorse. Dr. Bradley Nelson, who we've had on the show before, has also referenced that in his work with the body code and the emotion code. And what was suggested is that even if maybe somebody's not around or you're not in communication with them, to sit down, to check in your heart and see if you're holding on to bitterness, sadness, regret, anger, and write a letter. Write a letter. You don't ever have to send it, but sit down in your journal on a piece of paper. It's more helpful if you physically write it than putting it on your iPhone or computer, but it's better than not doing it at all. And you sit down and you write the letter about all of the resentments, all the frustrations, and by getting it out on paper, it sometimes can allow us to get those emotions out of our body. What are your thoughts on that? I'm a huge believer in downloading. In fact, the people I coach, and I don't know, I really think I, I put that in my, now I'm writing a second book. So I'm confused whether I put that in my first book or my second book. But that's one of the things I did is I, I downloaded a lot of the negative thoughts. And I think, and then once you download that, you make a contract with yourself that you don't think about it anymore. And yes, I think any unprocessed thoughts or issues in your mind, once you, and writing them down, not typing them, I agree, you have to write them down, is a way for you to express it out of your body. And I do a lot of that. And I, I need to. It's part of, to me, like bathing. It's cleansing. In fact, I do that every night. I review my life every day. When I go to bed, before I go to sleep, I review what's mine and to own and what's not mine. And I release that because once again, I don't want my body keeping track of and absorbing that. So that every morning I hope to start with a clean, in a way like an artist, a clean canvas, right? For me, it's a clean body. Because I need my body to be clean. I need my body to be healthy. And yeah, so downloading it like that is important. Oh my gosh. It's, you have to, you think about how many, from, you know, how, if you don't do that and you live, you've been living for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, think about how many things you're holding on to, sadness that, you should release. I call it catch and release. I love that. It's so true. And I want to tie in at this point to the idea of nutrition, which you talk about in depth in the book. And I've seen it so much. Many people ask me, Jen, how do you eat a horse? And yet I've weighed the same thing for knock on wood the last since I was 16 years old, 25 years of my life. And it's because for me personally, I can't speak for anybody else. Between 15 to 25, I was bulimic, and I really struggled. I had such deep self-loathing. I was throwing up 20 times a day. I really hated myself during that period. And I think when I released that, I made peace with food. And yet so often, I'll be at a restaurant. I was just at an event last week with 200 people. And you'd be sitting at these tables of 
10, 15 people at a table. And people are constantly running, not just the internal commentary about the food, but the external. Oh, I really shouldn't eat that cake. Oh, I shouldn't be having this piece of bread. And I think that a lot of us don't realize that our consciousness about anything, whether it's a spouse, a colleague, an enemy, a friend, or a piece of fruit sitting in front of us, or a piece of cake, directly correlates to how that interacts with our body. I remember many years ago, I was having dinner in Italy, and I was about to eat a piece of tiramisu, and Deepak happened to call me back at that moment about something, and so I stepped away from dessert, and I jokingly said to Deepak, I said, Deepak, I'm about to have tiramisu, just a wild thought for your unconsciousness. If I were to eat this tiramisu and tell my body it was a carrot, would my body interpret it as a carrot? And Deepak gave a little chuckle, and he's, of course, Jennifer, they've been studying that for years. So I think it's important to get clarity and to know that whatever we're eating, whatever we're putting in our bodies, obviously, if you sat around and ate french fries every day and cake, there might be some ramifications. Though at the same time, if you told yourself, if you're eating a piece of cake here and there, it's good for you, or that you love it and you appreciate it, might that not interact differently with you? What are your thoughts? It's funny. you. I When I coach other people, I always, and they come, they complain about, oh my God, I'm eating this and that. And then once we have their nutrition, we have a nutrition plan for them. And then they get out of their schedule, a food schedule. I always say, as long as you're committed to eating well, as long as you're committed, and I have this, food that loves you back, I always encourage people to eat food that loves you back. Now, there are some foods that will not love you back, but sometimes you want them. <laughs> True story. So, like, <laughs> you're in Italy, you're having tiramisu. <laughs> or right. So then I also say, don't feel guilty. The last thing you want is to feel guilty and eat that. You might as well enjoy it. If you're going to eat it, you have to tell yourself, it is the best thing for me. And by the way, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I went to Paris a few weeks ago. And I, of course, my favorite dessert is a chocolate souffle. Mm. So then I know that's not good for me. But I said, you know what? One is not going to kill me. So I said, oh, my God, it's like my green juice. It is so healthy. My, my cells are going to be so happy to receive this. So you see, again, it's you can tell you can tell yourself that. And the worst thing is to feel guilty. The worst thing is any negative thoughts around food, around anything. And like you said, it's not like I had my souffle every day and not having the French fries every day. But once in a while, yes, I think that works. And um, it goes back to mindset. It goes back to what we tell ourselves. It goes back to how our body absorbs it. So it's really, when once you're conscious of that, then you're more intentional about what you're doing, what you're telling yourself, and how your body then is absorbing that. You, you because um, Go ahead. Because if there's one thing I want to convey is that everything is interconnected, interrelated, everything. And that's why I say it's not just my juice. It's not just my mindset. It's not just believing. It's I'm using my entire life 
as my medicine, thing about my life, how I live, who I surround myself with, my thoughts, the books, the, my surroundings. My entire life is my medicine. And I think that we need to really consider that. You talked about this idea of enjoying, and joy has been at the forefront of many people's minds now. For the last couple of years, I feel like there was a big shift away from no depression, no anxiety, no stress, to moving towards joy, moving towards bliss, moving towards peace. What is your recommendation for connecting to joy more deeply? I think it's loving yourself. It's giving yourself the love that you know we're looking for. It's knowing yourself. I think the greatest self-love is knowing yourself. I always say, get a PhD on who you are, and the world doesn't get to tell you who you are. You get to tell the world who you are. Once you know who you are, then you know what makes you happy. <laughs> then you give yourself that. Um, and then you start practicing that. And so joy comes in, in your life every day. And joy is also being thankful. Gratitude. My God, I woke up breathing today. Oh my God, I'm already happy. I'm doing this podcast with you. Every little thing. People sometimes make fun of me and just say, oh my God, smell this baguette that just came out of the oven. That is joy for me. And a French butter, I am so good for one year. <laughs> the simplest thing. I love that. I love that. And so I can go from loving a smell of baguette to the biggest joy in, the, in life. So I'm not missing a beat in life. I'm not taking things for granted. That's joy. Everything. I'm in love with life. So I'm, I am, I'm the right person and the wrong person because I fight for my days. I fight for my time here. Every day I get is a blessing. Every day I get, there's joy in it. It's funny. I had a breakthrough last week. I was on this island at an event for entrepreneurs. And have you ever noticed sometimes, V, that we limit how much pleasure or joy we have? Like we have a cap. It goes back years and years ago. A dear friend of mine, Jocelyn Herman Saccio, who we've had on the show, we may have even talked about it on the show. She shares about these ideas of training fleas. A friend of hers had a farm and in order to train fleas, you would just capture them in a jar and then you would put a lid on the jar and the fleas would jump. They could jump so high, but they would hit the lid just once. And then they would never jump higher than the lid of the jar again. And I just noticed that for myself, and I think for a lot of us, we have a lid to how much joy, how much pleasure we can contain. So I'll give you a great example of this. I'm not normally a late night person. I am somebody who's in bed by 9, 10 p.m. 99% of the time. And so I'm out at this event. I'm outside of my comfort zone. I'm normally the person who gets overwhelmed with too many people. And so I'm there. And one of my best friends is there and we're dancing and having this magical time. The best music is playing and it's well after midnight. And then all of a sudden I see some clouds in the distance and you start to see lightning and thunder. So you know it's about to rain and it's probably a six block, 20 minute hike back up to where the room is. So I look at my friend Maya in fear and I'm like, we gotta go. The world is gonna come crashing down. We're about to get wet. And she looks at me and she says, Jen, can you just be with the uncomfortability? What's going to happen? Are you going to melt if you get rained on? And yet, yeah. in my mind, even though I was having this ecstatic, blissful, joyful evening with one of my best friends and new friends, 
I wanted to put a stop to it. I wanted to put a lid on how much I could handle because, uh uh-oh, what if it breaks? What if it gets too scary or too dangerous or I can't handle that much? And to this day, I will say, Veronica, it's going to be one of my favorite moments of my life. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. Okay, I'm just going to push through it. My friend said, don't worry. You just have to give me the word and I'll walk us back. But let's just wait a little longer. So we stay there, V. And then the rain starts to pour and the band is still playing. It's now like 1.45 in the morning. The band is playing. You're seeing the rain trickle down through the lights. And then everything is just present and and alive. And in that moment, I love burgers and french fries. This friend of mine, or this person I hadn't even met actually, who became a friend, comes up to me and she said, do you want a burger? It was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, so I'm eating a burger in a rain with one of my best friends and a new friend I've never met listening to the best music of my life. And I would just call that moment unadulterated joy and pleasure. And I think that's the invitation, like what you're talking about right there, Veronica, with the baguette with just appreciating the moment, the more that we give ourselves permission, number one, to push outside of whatever that lid is that's stopping us. And number two, to ask ourselves, how good am I willing to feel? How good am I willing to experience and have my life be? And could we give ourselves permission to experience that much joy, that much bliss, and that much pleasure, right? Yes, I think once again, it goes back to self-love, right? What are we giving ourselves and why would you want to limit yourself? I think there's definitely a lot of people that feel that, but that's because they're having issue with seeing themselves. Mm -hmm. So they're not giving themselves their best. I hear people saying, oh my God, organic food is so expensive, yet they're having, they're, they have, they, and they have the means to buy the organic food. Um, this is in LA. And, and then I, I don't know, it's so expensive. And I'm thinking it, your food is self-love <laughs> and giving yourself the best thing. If you can financially is self-love everything. So it really is about, it's a reflection of how you feel about yourself. It's so true. It's about loving yourself. And I didn't know if you were willing to share it, but remember when we were sitting down, one of the first times we ever sat and had lunch together at Genesis Qua, and you shared with me the story of the heartache you went through when you were going through that divorce several years ago and what you did that turned it all around. Are you willing to share that story here? To me, I've shared your story with so many people. I'm like, oh my God, my friend V is the bomb. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> okay, so I'll give it and you can elaborate on it. Okay, I get it. About where... You had been through a challenging period. Anytime I've been through a divorce as well, nobody wishes that upon anybody. And you have children and everything else. And so you go through this challenging period. And sometimes as it happens in divorces, we might be left with very little or next to nothing between legal fees and everything else. And you shared how you said like a prayer. And you're like, universe, God, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to tell me what to do with what I have left. Remember that one? Yes. That's one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. So it was a really bad divorce. But in my second book, I actually thanked my ex-husband because he gave me back me or I took myself back. And and Veronica is back. <laughs> and not with a vengeance, better. And herself. And I found myself. And I realized that I mattered. And knowing that I have resources within myself and knowing that, okay, I've just given all my superpower to my 
ex-husband and to my family. And I now have to take all of that back because I'm a badass too. <laughs> so I realized when the market was crashing, is that the story that you want me to tell? Yeah, exactly. I love that story. Literally, so many people have that story. <laughs> I think it's yeah, so financially, in my opinion, he cheated me from that. But you know what? I thank him for that. Because he cheated me, I became even more resourceful and realized since I've lost all stipulations in my divorce, that, which doesn't make sense, but now I know where, why I wasn't supposed to get my money from him. I was supposed to get my money myself. And that was dirty money. I needed to get my clean money. And I remember when the market was crashing during COVID and I looked at the television at CNBC and I'm like, oh my God, market's crashing, opportunities, opportunities when the market is volatile. So I turned off the TV and I told my team and I just basically said, okay, I'm going to go to sleep early and I'm going to meditate and the next meditate and pray to God. I remember praying to God so hard. And I said, please tell me what stocks to buy. I love this. This is my favorite story ever. I love it. What stocks to buy? And then, so then I wake up in the morning. I kid you not. As I was journaling at five in the morning, I, my hands couldn't stop. I started listing Netflix, Zoom, Apple, Borox, J&J. And I put all my money in. I put all my, I, I calculated how much I would need to, to live for one year. I'm an all or nothing girl. Leo, after all. And I said, I'll figure it out. But you know what? I'm going to win. I'm a winner. <laughs> I said, I'm a winner. And I put everything in my Charles Schwab account. And, and then Charles Schwab even called me and said, like one of the guys that, you know, has my account and says, are you running a, a hedge fund over there? It's amazing. So I'm like, it's I was like, belief and certainty is so powerful. Here's the lesson there. You don't know. I didn't know. I couldn't understand why I wasn't winning in any of my divorce issues. And I, all I knew was that it was corrupted. And I thought, why am I, why, why is this happening to me? God's been so generous with me, except for this. He's given me life. And then only after this that I realized that the lesson is, No, you are going to start. This is your path. This is your journey. You are reclaiming Veronica and you are going to take care of yourself. You don't need a man. (laughs) To me, I received that message and I've been working on that (laughs) with that message head on since then. It really empowered me. It really empowered me. It really reminded me of who I was before I got married. And I lived in New York and I was a hustler. I got whatever I wanted. And, and that's me. That's who I am. <laughs> and I forgot about that. Yeah, it's important to reclaim. Sometimes we give our power away. We give our power away to our children, our spouse, our job. And the power really lies within us. And I think that's such a beautiful message that you just shared. Veronica, tell us, what is your what is the last piece of wisdom or feedback you'd love to leave our audience with? What is something that maybe I didn't ask you or takeaway you'd love to share? I think my message to everyone is 
Don't waste your time. Do something with it. Do something that you love. Don't let society tell you who you are, what you're supposed to do. Listen to yourself. Really know who you are and stand and honor yourself because I didn't honor myself. And I honored everybody else but me. And it's through this illness that I got to know who Veronica is and I got to know what she wants. And now, today, I am so in love with my life. I'm, I, this is what happiness is. And I've accomplished it. So I was right to leave my ex-husband because I wanted to be happy. And it took all of that to find my happiness. And I was telling my best friend the other day, I'm like, sometimes I feel very strange saying this, but so happy, but yet I don't have any family here. I don't have you here. I don't have my kids. I don't have anybody here, really. I have friends. I do what that I'm developing relationships with, but how can I be so happy when I have nobody here? Then that's when I realize, you know, that saying, it is so true that happiness starts you, you, you don't need anybody really. Everyone is an add on in your life, including your children. It's you who is responsible for your happiness, it is you who can give yourself happiness. Because that's what I gave myself. I gave myself, okay, Veronica, what do you want to be happy? I want to be in Portugal. I want to live a life. This is So I gave myself all of that and I'm super happy. Everyone, it's worth taking a risk for finding who you are and for your happiness. So beautiful. I think it's a lesson we can all learn. How and who and what are we and what matters to us? It's one of my favorite questions that I ask people and that I love to facilitate when I'm doing talks is getting people to ask each other, what matters to you? Who are you? What makes you happy? And when we begin to pull back the layers of that onion, we begin to allow the beautiful essence of who we are to shine. And to your point, V, wherever in the world we are, you could be hundreds or thousands of miles away from your closest loved one. And yet, if you can cultivate and develop and nourish that relationship with yourself and nurture it, it's from that place that you can grow at an unprecedented rate beyond anything you even knew you were capable of. So it's been such a pleasure to have you here. If people want to pick up the book or find out more about your coaching, where would they go to do? You can go to the Amazon because that's where my book is. And it's actually being translated into Portuguese, Spanish, and French. <laughs> it's a beautiful book. Definitely go out and get it. And go ahead and give us the name of the book one more time. The Grace of Cancer. And you can find me on Instagram, the Veronica Villanueva. And that's also my website, veronicavillanueva.com. Thank you again for joining us here today, V. She's been sharing her journey of the grace of cancer and how she survived not once, but twice. I am Jennifer K. Hill. It is an honor and a privilege to get to be here with you every week for this podcast. And if you are interested in finding out other alternative methods of healing yourself, connecting to your inner child, we do have a wonderful website called om-heals.com, which offers, you can click our Get Matched button and find out who your three best practitioners are who you match with. And it's free to find out who you match with. And we have over 100 practitioners from around the world. So you can use coupon code 
20 new 20 new all caps and receive 20% off your first session. Thank you so much for joining us here today and much love to everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics dot com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.